Welcome back to the Information Security Stack together with me, Daniel Gustafsson and Kim Hindart. Hubba. Today, Kim, we will wrap up our mini-series that we started a couple of weeks ago where we were talking about digital transformation. In the first three episodes, you covered a lot of the technical aspects and just the benefits of a digital transformation and, you know, overall, what is it good from, from a technical perspective? Last week, we started to talk about the human side of things, meaning the people that are, go are going to adopt the new digital transformation uh, process, technology, whatever uh, you want to implement into your organization. And we sort of had a little bit of a uh, discussion or I tried to tell the backstory to the reluctance of humans of wanting to change over time. And we had that story of that little child who... Or, the person who went over the top of the mountain and wanted to see what was uh, available in the valley behind just to see and expand and explore. We talked about the fact that when he or she came back to their village, the response might not always be super positive. Well, a few of them probably were, but some of them just kind of felt that that was too much of a too big of a change and too much to do and oh my god what what what's that going to cost them am i really willing to do that and today i thought we were going to talk a little bit more practical from a practical perspective what do you actually then do in order to get people to want to change so let's cover that first and foremost and kim both you and me have been part of quite large transitions in our life, both from a management and leadership perspective, but also as employees in, in companies, right? Where we were the people who had to adopt to a new strategy or a new model of, of change. What is your tactic when you want to get a change done? Where do you start? I bribe people with a big bowl of candy. <laughs> yes, you do. And it's actually not lying, folks. Uh, there is a lot of candy involved when Kim wants to get something done here. And why do you do that then? What's the purpose of the candy? It's the carrot and the stick, you call that. So mm. you whip people with a carrot. And uh, I think it's a bad saying because you don't motivate people with a carrot these days, unfortunately. Yep. It's candy that's the motivator. Mm-hmm. And then scary Korean angry with them on the far end because uh, our ICE auditor asked once upon a time one of the staff, why do you actually do this? Because if I don't, a scary Korean will come and yell at me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And that's a perfectly good answer for that purpose. Exactly. But, well, if I remove the candy and the stick, mm. will this last them? So here's so yeah so here's the backside of that tactic right so it actually works every now and then if you surprise someone with a gift let's say that you have an agenda for something to happen and you want it to happen quite fast as well you need to motivate people in order to get things done giving them some sort of gift or giving them some sort of prize for their effort is absolutely a way to motivate someone 
Um, so if you come and say, here, Daniel, here's a big bowl of candy. And if you, but you, in order for you to get this big, big bowl of candy, you need to do something for me first. Or I need to, I get to, I need to get something changed here, right? So if you help me, I, I, you will get the candy for sure. And I think, well, I'm not super interested in that specific task, but you know, I, I really kind of like candy. So why not? Like, you know, I'll help a friend that I get something for it. So why not? The problem with that tactic, and we, we can call that, now you call it a bribe, and that's fair enough, it's sort of a bribe, but we can call it a gift instead. And then you have a more positive spin on that, like the carrot point of it, meaning you give someone something that they like in order for them to do something that you want them to do. Um, and that is absolutely a tactic that works once, maybe twice. And I can draw a similar parallel to that. Not, you know, this past summer, I tried to get my, my uh, oldest son to, to mow the lawn at my house because A, it's quite boring. And I, I thought he's, he's big enough now to actually start help out with the chores in the house. So, you know what, let's say, let's see if we can make a deal here. So I, I asked him kindly if he, he could, if, you know, if he wanted to, to mow the lawn for me. And he said no, bluntly, and then continued <laughs> to continue to play his, his, uh, his PlayStation, right? So I thought, all right, I got we we gotta we gotta put something to this, right? So I said, all right, I'll you know ten dollars or ten euros, which is a roughly a hundred Swedish kroner, right? And he looked at me and said, well, no, no, that's too little. All right, so two hundred or the Swedish kroner than twenty euros. And I was like, okay, fair enough, I'll do it for twenty euros. And then he actually did mow the lawn and, and, you know, I was happy because I didn't get to have to do it. And he got, you know, 20 euros. So he was, you know, happy with that as well. And, but then you guess, you know, you know what, a couple of weeks later, the grass has grown again. So I needed to get it done again. So I, it worked the first time. So maybe I'll, I'll, maybe I can get him to do it that, uh, get him to do it a second time. This time he looked at me and said, no, 20 euros is not enough. So he started actually to negotiate with me to get to, to increase the price. And then I started to think to myself, well, 30 euros is not worth it. So I, I'd rather do it myself, <laughs> right? So, but the, the morale to that story is that, yeah, it worked once, but the second time it wasn't enough of a motivation for him to do it for that specific price. He wanted to get more for it because it wasn't his... He was not motivated by the task at all. And I was just lazy, right? So I tried to buy myself up to my problem. And the same, same thing goes with uh, the, the candy that you can give or, or whatever uh, you know, treat you give to someone for, for helping them out. It works once, but still the motivation to get something done is not the, is, is not in the, in, the, uh, in, the, uh, in the eyes of the person who gets uh, the actual uh, uh, gift. It's me who had the actual need. I wanted to get something done. Um, so in order for that to become someone else's motivation, because this is what we're talking about here. If I want to buy myself out of the problem and I want to give someone something for it, all I'm really doing is trying to 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 hand over my motivation on someone else but guess what they're not motivated by that at all so in order for this <laughs> got in camera so in order for this to work you're gonna have to start to have a plan of actually want to get people interested in what you want them to do rather than just force them to because that's the second part of it right so if if the carrot is the candy or in my case a couple of euros to get my 
my uh, my lawn mood uh you can revert that also with the whip meaning the 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 being essentially forcing someone to do it and again you can absolutely force someone to do something once or twice but the problem with both these tactics is you can't put them into a system over time because they're not they're not um, sustainable over time so let's take uh, um, an example where people were forced to do something that they didn't actually want to do and really didn't have an option let's call it a pandemic we've just been through a pandemic and in the pandemic we ended up being isolated and the governments around the world said we have to we have to stop meeting each other we can't see each other you can't go to work you can't go to school some countries just completely froze and you were forced to be isolated in your house for a quite long period of time now no one asked for that that was not a reward either so you can't say that it was a carrot it was absolutely a whip that was a that was a direct message you go home and you lock yourself in and you have no options right so still the motivation for that was that we didn't want to spread uh, or continue to spread a disease in our society so that was the motivation and we could kind of buy into that for a period of time but at the same th at the same time we see now as the lockdowns continued the reluctance to agree to the lockdown has then increased because first everyone said yeah of course we have to we have to um, accept it well not accept it well we, well we have to agree to because you know we want this to 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 go over and we want the pandemic to to be over with but then over time when we start to open up our society again and then the increase of of corona cases in our society came back and we tried to implement these lockdowns again now you start to see a reluctance to accept these lockdowns and now we have a situation where people actually are completely uh, disobeying the directive to stay home so hence the whip doesn't work either over time because again the motivation is not at in the in the hands of the people that are being forced to go home and be locked in so here's where the carrot and the whip works every now and then it works for a specific reason uh, one time but over time as a method of leadership it's not going to work because to your point if you if you if you were to give me candy once yeah i would be excited and then i would help you but if you had a bowl of candy available every single day and say you can get a piece of candy if you help me well <laughs> it's going to be there tomorrow as well so i don't have to do anything i just go go pick the candy and then you can do whatever the heck you want to do i don't care so it's not a reward then is it and the same thing with with uh, with the whip if i try to force you to do something then first time around yeah you could you could you could you will probably do it because of a bit of a fear factor into into the whip so to speak um but over time you learn that you know the whip is not really working here is it and that also that is also true i i um i read a lot of of war stories and and um stories about where people has been in really dire needs and uh, in war situations when you interrogate people they call it interrogations at least sometimes you could probably call it something else but interrogation methods like putting a person into a box 
to make them uncomfortable and then you bring them out of the box to get them to speak for instance literally you physically put them into a box and they get to sit there for hours upon hours and then hopefully when they when they you know open up the box again they want to talk to you there are many examples where the victims of that treatment actually ends up saying you know what i'd rather sit in the box because talking to you is worse so if i'm at least in the box you're not going to harass me so i'll rather sit in my box right so so this is how the, the, the carrot and the whip type of method is not going to work to get the change done over time. So what is the method then in order to get someone to get interested and to actually help you out? What would you actually have to do to get this to be sustainable? Yeah. Can you program people? That would be lovely, wouldn't it? But the, just... <laughs> because surely it would be enough just to be well informed. Well, you would think, and unfortunately, that's not either. That's not motivation enough either. And here's here's well, let's explain that thing. Then, what is a motivation to begin with? There's something called motivation and a motivated, meaning the things that I'm motivated of is things that I want to do. That's motivation. Things that I want to do means I'm motivated to do it. A motivation is when I'm doing something that I have to do, like move the lawn. I have to do it. I'm not motivated by it at all, but I know I, it's a necessity. I have to do it. So I probably will do it. But at the same time, every time I can get my hands off that uh, lawn mover and not have to do it, someone else can do it for me, I would, you know, I would take that any day of the week. So motivation and A motivation are two, the two factors we're playing with here. And to your point, just being informed is not enough if it doesn't motivate me. I have to be intrigued by the proposal. The change that you want to implement actually has to appeal to me. So how you actually do that, and here all the leaders in the room who's listening to this, if you call yourself a leader or a manager or a boss or a CEO, or if, if you're in any type of position where you make decisions and you have to lead people, Here's the key to success in order for that to happen. You have to get people involved into your decision. Do not put a def already defined decision on the table in front of your staff and believe that they will all be motivated by your brilliant idea. That you have come up with or maybe your management team has come up with. If you haven't involved them in the decision, there's a good chance they won't be motivated. Some will, but not all. And here's what we're fighting with from an organizational perspective, because I hear this all the time. Everyone has to be on board. Good luck. And that goes for all of you politicians listening to this as well. My idea is brilliant and the entire population of my country should follow my lead. Yeah, good luck with that, because most probably if, you, I, won't, if I wasn't part of that decision, there's a good chance that I will say I don't like it. I could even do it in pure spite just because I don't like you as a person. And that could most probably be true for, for politicians, for instance, that you know, I might not like all politicians, for instance. So in order for you as a leader to get your, your staff or your employees or whoever you want to convince for a change, in order for that to happen, you have to involve them into your decision. So here's comes something called inspirational leadership. Inspirational leadership is 
Not necessarily that you are the big talker in the room or you are a Martin Luther King type of person who can just wow people with, with their words. That's not necessarily inspiration at all. Your actions can be very inspirational. So if you put forward an idea on the table to your team or your, your employees or a vision that you want to fulfill, I have a dream. Let's take that statement. I have a dream. I have a vision. I have a, a goal that I, I hope that we can achieve together. But I don't have the know-all and be-all for that specific task or that specific vision to come true. I need help. And now, Kim, if I present that idea to you and you get to have your input, all of a sudden I will trigger your interest into this specific change or action or task or thing that I want to get done. Because now, hopefully, your opinions will be heard. Hence, you feel you're part of the solution. You're part of the change. You will now start to own the change in your team and with the people you work with. It's not me forcing you to do anything with the whip or the carrot. It's you working in the organization who, who can start to feel like this is not just a management decision. This is our decision. Because the input we have given into this solution is actually we, we're part of it. That's how you get a team to strive and work in the same direction. Again, you're not going to be able to convince everyone. Not all of them wants to be a part of it. We mentioned this in the, in, the, in, the, uh, in the previous episode. This is for the people that raise their hand and say, yes, I would like to be part of that change or I would like to be part of that process. The people that was inspired by you when you came back from that IT fair or that meeting with the uh, distributor or consultant, whoever convinced you that APIs was the way to go. The people said, that sounds cool. Let's talk about it. Those are the people you have to start to invest into your vision here. So, what is your motivation, dear leader, who is listening to this? Because that is what sets the, the stage here for what you will accomplish. Is it me that has a motivation for my own good? Or do I have an idea that could benefit the entire organization. That's a very different message. And if I'm only making a change or try to implement a change in order to look for, for me to look good or for me and my buddies to look good or for me and whoever is working closest to us to look good and I want to be that great leader with a great inspiration according to myself, meaning I make all the, the decisions, you're going to struggle in this phase. You have to get your staff, your employees, the people around you invested into your idea, your vision, your, your hope for what you want to accomplish and let them have input. When that happens, they start to invest their own time and their own person and their own identity into this change. Now we have a fighting chance to get a change done really, really quickly. Because that will breed a success. Short term and long term. 
And the short-term success is what, what you will use in order to get more people interested in that success. Success breeds interest. So in order to get a change to, be, uh, to happen, me as a leader has to be extremely transparent and I have to be very vulnerable and tell people I need your help in order for this to be done and not here's my idea fix it that's not how you do it I'm already you can't change whatever I came up with no 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 here's my vision this is what we try to strive for now we need your input in order for this to actually happen in real life that's the foundation for change this sounds complicated not something you can do over a two-hour presentation. No, and that's the second factor. We talked about this before as well. The first thing we're going to have to accept, and again, you know, science is science, and 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 statistics statistics is is uh, the third level of lies, as, as you know, the, you know the expression lie, a damn lied, and statistics, right? But the research do show that in order for a change to be done completely. You have to give it time. It depends on the situation. It depends on who you have around you. It depends on a lot of things. But on average, two to two and a half years is what we have to invest in order for a culture or a process or a new concept in order for that to be implemented properly over time. Two to two and a half years in order to get the change done. Now, in order to not scare everyone off, you can you can take the ballpark between, I would say, 9 to 10 months up to 24 months. That's what you need to be able to invest. And that you need to have a commitment from your management and your owners and whoever is investing into this. That if they hope to have this done by the next quarter, so you can look good in your, in your next quarterly report. If, if you do that, let, let us know. I'm super interested in to know how you actually did it. Um, but you're going to have to give it time. And unfortunately, we are, as organizations, we are too driven and controlled by the quarterly report. And the same thing goes for a, a hockey team or a sports team that fires a coach after nine games because, you know, he didn't win enough after nine games. He didn't change enough things after nine, nine games. And, you know, we hired him three months ago. My God, he has had endless of time to get the system in and blah, blah, blah. Right? No. We're looking for this quick fix all the time. We're looking for a quick change all the time because we do not want it to take time. Because to your point, that means we're going to have to work on it over time. And yes. That is what you're going to have to do. Work on it over time. But surely you can change people's identity with a presentation for, for a couple of hours. No, you can't. And that's the end of that. <laughs> you can hurt someone's feelings. Though. That's, that's <laughs> very simple. Uh, I can do that in five minutes. I can absolutely hurt you both your feelings and your identity mm -hmm. with a presentation. But can I change your identity and your thoughts and your beliefs in, in two hours with a, with a brilliant PowerPoint? No, I can't. And it would be lovely. Uh, but again, whenever you present something new, uh, there will always be people who like it. There will always be people who are reluctant to it. And here is where we need to latch on to the people who liked it and then build it from there. But again, 
presenting my finished idea or our management team's finished idea that we are in super agreement about. You know, the five people in the management team really, really loved it. Doesn't automatically mean that the rest of the organization will love it. And here's where you need to be vulnerable as a leader and say, we need your input into this. Make them a part of the decision. Make them a part of the implementation. Make them own the change. That's when you start to make it a reality quickly. Because then it's not you with a whip and a carrot. It's the people around you with their own interest and their identity. Who will invest into the idea and you will get this to happen. And I say this with the absolute most certainty. Because I've seen it happen live in real life. And so has Kim and many others who are listening to this. That's how you get change to happen. Whose motivation is it? For what reason are we making the change? Why are we doing it? And that cannot just be, well, we want to make more money. Well, that goes without saying, doesn't it? It has to be more to it. What's the actual benefit for the people that you are trying to change? Like the sales representatives always say, always say, what's in it for me? Right? You have to have a clear why to want you need, why you want to do it, and then bring people on board with the decision making and make them own the change. That's when it happens. We can just look at our little company for the past seven years, and people can tell you that it looked vastly different seven years ago. The war stories there are quite dramatic. But did everyone love the change? No, they didn't. But over seven years, we have changed. And I've seen it in other scenarios as well, where I've been involved with you know, sports teams and other companies as well, that if you want, get, if you want something to get done on a both short period of time, but also over sustainable over time, you have to get people invested into it. It's not the coach's team, it's the player's team. Always. Or you can introduce drugs. Or you can or you could or you could do that. Yeah. Absolutely. What a brilliant idea. So that's where we are with that, ladies and gentlemen, with that little uh rant maybe we went into. <laughs> but I am quite eager to talk about this because this is important. And I do get a little bit upset when I see how organizations try to implement change into the organization they firmly believe to your point that the powerpoint presentation from the management team will just wow everyone and off to the races we go and this is the natural thing we get the question how does this hang uh, fit together with information security Mm. information security is something continuously will need to change because guess what the digital world constantly change Mm. how many of you is watching normal tv today or have a streaming service on the side Mm. there's a bit difference there the end result is about the same but that's the technology behind it is very different it is and uh, that's just one thing so the digital landscape changes a lot from every year this means you need to adapt and you need to change so Digital transformation, information security, quality code production, sustainability, 
all these things require you to change. So preparing your organization for change is the basic step, first step, and <laughs> solve the step for a lot of lot of issues that we're talking about today. For sure. And we've seen too many examples of people or organizations who have been reluctant to change. And then what happens is that the world runs away from them anyways. They just get left behind. So you need to be able to change. If not everything at all times, small changes constantly. And you do, even if you don't think that you are changing, you do, to Kim's point, the way we act today with a streaming service or a smartphone in our hands or whatever it is we think is just normal everyday life today wasn't normal everyday life 15, 20 years ago. It looks very different today, right? So we are constantly adapting. We are constantly changing. So what we talked about in this episode is when you want to make a big change, which could be also viewed as a drastic change, this is where you normally run into the biggest reluctance to change. The small changes and we can probably accept it over time but the big ones here you need people with you to invest into your idea so work on your leadership that's all i can say be vulnerable as a leader and ask for help get people invested into your uh into your dream and your vision and things will start to happen so with that being said uh we do appreciate you for listening this this week i hope you have a uh, great week or weekend wherever you are and whenever you're listening to this and if you do have any questions or anything you want to add to this you reach us at citynetwork.eu podcast yes and i learned what the proper english language for this one is it's from farm to fork from farm to fork that's the actual proper english expression for what we try to talk about from farm to fork yeah there we go So with that being said, have a great week. Talk to you next week. Bye. Goodbye.